Hear the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you in peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God and Father. To him be the glory forever and ever, amen. I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But if even we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. And as we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary than what you received, a curse be on him. For am I now trying to persuade people or God? Am I trying to, striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be God. You may be seated. Well, peace be with you. Hey, if you're a first-time guest, uh, my name is Jamal, and I am uh, one of the pastors here at Sojourn. We are thrilled that you are here today. We pray that a word would be spoken, or a song song that will enrich your life in Christ Jesus, that you would uh, come to know what we as a church believe, and that, uh, that the Lord would meet you where you are today. And to uh, the Sojourn fam, what's up? What's popping? What's cracking? I hope y'all are doing well. We're excited today to be starting a new series, as we just heard through the book of Galatians. And I'm praying that the Lord would uh, bless our time together, uh, that this series will uh, help us to grow into uh, more into the maturity uh, that he's called us to in Christ Jesus, and that we would recognize and appreciate uh, the grace that's been given to us. Let's pray. Lord, what a blessing it is to be be alive and in you for those who are in you, to be in Christ, to have your, your grace upon us, to have your face to shine upon us, to have your, your peace. I pray, Father God, that you would help us to experience that more as we submit our minds to you. Thank you for your holy word, which was written by holy men under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we ask for you to Allow your word to be a double-edged sword. We ask for you to search our hearts. We ask for you to, to mend our hearts, to heal our hearts. We ask you to bend our hearts towards Jesus afresh and anew this morning. I pray that you would give me clarity of thought and proclamation for your name's sake and glory. In Jesus' name, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. Perhaps there is no other word that is quite as cherished and important to Americans as well as to millions of others all over the world than the word freedom. Even as we think about advertisement, maybe it's a, a, a car company or maybe it's an a airline, uh, how they appeal to this desire for freedom and and they sell products um, helping us or uh, making us to think that this product that they're selling, if we fly with this company, if we drive this car, we will feel more free. 
advertisements, salespeople, uh, songwriters, uh, appeal to freedom because uh, they know that, that most people, they, they cherish freedom. We, especially as Americans, we want freedom. And yet there's confusion about what freedom is. Uh, not just in secular culture, but even amongst Christian culture, it's a buzzword that we, we throw around, but, but many times we have a misnomer about what freedom is. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, we read the words that Paul writes, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And yet many Christians, when we think about freedom, we have notions that freedom is uh, the absence of restraints. Freedom is the absence of constraints. It's being able perhaps to do whatever we wanna do or live kind of this autonomous life or lifestyle. And yet when the Bible talks about freedom, um, that's not what the Bible's talking about. When the Bible talks about freedom for Christians, it's not the absence of constraints, but it's the presence of Christ. It's, it's us no longer being a slave to our sins and to ourselves and to this, this present evil world. But now we're actually uh, slaves of, of Christ and, and his mastery, his, his lordship brings us true freedom. We're able to experience life the way that we were created to experience life but it's in Christ. Freedom, it has boundaries. True freedom, healthy freedom has constraints. A fish, it would be foolish to think that that freedom means being outside of water. If a fish was to lose this kind of constraints of, of, of being in water, we know what would happen. And in the same way, human beings were created uh, for God and God's glory and God has put constraints around us. He has, he, has, he has given us boundaries and limitations so that we can experience true life in the way that he has intended. Now here in the book of Galatians, we see the apostle Paul is writing to the church of Galatia. Galatia is modern day Turkey a church that he helped start and plan. In Acts chapter 13 and chapter 14, we see that he is commissioned by the church to, to go and to preach the gospel to, to Gentiles. And he goes and he preaches this gospel. He sees uh, a fruit bear and people come to know Jesus with saving faith. And now about uh, in AD 48, he's writing back to the church the church that he helped start, the church that the Holy Spirit uh, made alive to the gospel of grace, and he has some concerns. And the concerns that he has is that this church has now uh, went from a, a position and place of freedom back to a place of bondage. And they've done this because they are believing uh, false preachers, preachers who are uh, preaching to them a modified gospel. These preachers are traditionally known as Judaizers. And essentially what Paul is doing in this letter is he's asking the question, does Gentile Christians have to be circumcised and live a Jewish lifestyle to be Christian? And Paul is writing this letter with a resounding no and saying, no, no. 
that being a Christian is not Jesus plus circumcision. It's not Jesus plus a Jewish way of, of living and relating to God. It's Jesus alone. And he's writing his letter with urgency and, and he's writing his letter with some, with some fervor and some would even argue with, with a righteous anger because the gospel of Jesus is at stake. And when the gospel of Jesus is at stake, true freedom is at stake. Truly being able to live in Christ as God attended us to live with abundant life is at stake. And so as we look through the book of Galatians, we want, to, we want to look through this book to be reminded of what the gospel is and what the gospel does and how in Christ Jesus, God has called us to be fully alive and to have abundant life and to experience true freedom. But how that freedom, how that freedom can easily uh, be forfeited if we modify the message that we first received and the message of first importance, which is the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. There's three things we want to look at in this text today as we talk about living free. And the first thing is I want to look at the apostle Paul and his life and how he models what it means to be free as a Christian. And so we're, we're going to first look at the free Christian by looking at the apostle Paul's life. Second, we're going to look at the, the bound unchristian, uh, the, the person who is not a Christian and how no matter how that person uh, may think they are free, how the Bible says they're really not free. And I want to show you that by looking at the scripture. And then third, we're going to look at the at-risk Christian, which is the church of Galatia and how these Christians who were set free by Christ, how their faith is now at risk because they are believing and tempted to believe a modified gospel. And we're gonna look at this and see how this is a warning to us all. So if we're gonna live free, there's three things I think that the apostle Paul models in his salutation. This is his greetings, his letter to the Galatians. He has a simple greeting, but there's three things that, that, that shows me that Paul was free. And there's three things that we want to be reminded of as Christians. And this freedom gives us this gospel chest. It gives us gospel courage to speak boldly against people who would uh, fringe upon our freedom. To speak boldly against people who would preach a different gospel. And Paul was able to preach this big, beautiful gospel with freedom because of three things. First was because he was sure of his calling and the one who called him. Paul is able to have confidence as he writes this letter. And he's able to write this letter with with some gospel boldness because he knows that, that God is the person that he answers to and not the people that he's writing to or his opponents or his opponents. Paul starts off, Paul, an apostle, not from men or by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Then he says in verse 10, for am I now trying to persuade people or God, or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And all of us know the weight of wanting people to be happy with us. 
All of us have that desire of wanting to be in good standing with people, to be liked and to be loved. And Paul was human and he had that desire and he lived with that as well. But Paul did not allow that desire to control him. The writer of uh, the book of Proverbs tells us that, that pleasing people or fearing people is a trap. But the person who fears the Lord is, is, is free. And Paul could have been uh, afraid because these, these Christians that he's writing to, they've been hearing the preaching of these Judaizers who's telling them that Paul got it wrong and that Paul's gospel is inferior to their gospel. And that if they truly want to be made right with God, they have to, yes, believe in Jesus, but they also have to be circumcised and that they also have to keep this uh, aspects of this Jewish law. And, and, and the things that they were telling uh, these Christians to do, they weren't necessarily sinful in themselves, but when they connected it to being made right with God, it became an issue. But Paul writes this letter to them and he first he establishes authority. He says, listen, y'all need to know who I am. I'm an apostle. And this is capital A apostle, right? Some people say that they're apostles today. I don't always know what that means, but I get really nervous when somebody walks around with the title of apostle, all right? Because biblically, apostles were very few select men who had experience the grace of saving grace of Jesus Christ and who had an encounter with Jesus himself. And Jesus personally uh, commissioned them with the divine calling and teaching to which the church was to be built upon. And Paul received this commissioning from Jesus. We read in Acts chapter nine that Paul was going against the church and against Jesus. And Jesus met him on a Damascus road, knocked him off his high horse, spoke to Paul directly and told Paul to stop persecuting his church, his people, in fact, himself, and to go and to preach the gospel to Gentiles. And so Paul was giving this apostolic authority through Jesus Christ. Now, some people, when they use the word apostle, they mean, uh, they use it synonymous with the word missionary because the word apostle in a very few select places in the Bible, it could also just mean one who is, means one who is sent or one who is commissioned, one who is a, a missionary. But Paul is letting the church know right away. He's like, yo, I'm Paul and I've been commissioned directly by Jesus. And he lets them know my calling is not from you. It's not from man. <laughs> like you didn't call me. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't first and foremost commission me. I received a specific commission from God the Father and Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead. So notice what he says here. Man didn't commission me, but God the Father and Jesus Christ commissioned me. Well, the reason he mentions Jesus Christ is because Jesus is not merely a man. He is fully God. And he starts his letter out with a high Christology saying, God himself is the one who called me. And that's so important to remember as Christians, if we're going to live free and have confidence, to remember first and foremost, the person that we are accountable to is God, that he is the one who set his affection upon us, that he is the one who called us, that he is the one who saved us. And the reason that's important is because sometimes our preachers will fail us. Uh, sometimes mentors will stumble themselves and forsake the gospel. 
Sometimes people that we adore and that we look up to will, will, will build their ministry and their lives on something contrary to what the word says. And we have to know with confidence that the gospel that we received is not a man-made gospel. It's from God himself. Second, we see in the salutation that not only is Paul confident in his calling, but he's also confident in, in this God who rescued him from this present evil age. Look at verse four. He says, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of God the Father. And how did God rescue us from the present evil age? It's by giving his son, Jesus Christ, to us. Mm. Galatians chapter two, verse 20. We learn that the reason that God gave his son, Jesus Christ, to us is because he, he loved us. In this passage, we see that the reason that God gave his son, Jesus Christ, to us is because it is his will. At the center of the book of Galatians is a message of the cross. 14 times, Paul explicitly mentions the cross. And the reason he starts his letter with the resurrection and with the cross is because these Judaizers are, are trying to minimize the cross. And they're trying to, to tell the Galatians that it's, it's Jesus plus good works and it's Jesus plus good deeds as a way to enter into the kingdom. And Paul is saying, no, it is Jesus' substitutionary atonement. It is his propitiation for our sin that makes us right with God. And this Jesus who died for us in our place, he not only absorbed God's wrath for us, but he has saved us. He has invaded, I love this language, the present evil age. He's interrupted this world and he's interrupted this world with a new kingdom and a new age and he's offered life. He rescued us. I think that he intentionally uses this word rescue as it is close to this word that we see in the Septuagint over and over for Israel and their deliverance from bondage and, and, and from Pharaoh's uh, slavery. Paul is saying, just as Egypt and uh, the children of Israel were rescued from Egypt, God has rescued us from this world. He has rescued us from being slaves to our sin. He has rescued us from being slaves to ourselves. He has rescued us from a world that is, is, is full of the lust of the eye, the, the lust of the flesh and the, the pride of life. He has rescued us from the prince of darkness. He has rescued us from principalities and powers and, and rulers of this age. And he's saying, God alone has rescued me. And so I'm free. I'm free to write you. I'm free to confront you. Why? Because I'm no longer living for my own glory. Verse five is a prayer, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ saying, I have peace. I want you to have peace who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of God our Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Says, I want God to be glorified. These Judaizers, by preaching another gospel, they're taking away from God's glory and the glory belongs to God. Salvation belongs to him and him alone. And this is a big deal. The second thing we see in this text is not, not only this freedom that Paul has as a Christian, this freedom 
freedom to, to live in Christ's freedom and to confront people who are trying to mess with that freedom. But we also can infer in this text a warning to those who are still in bondage. Because there are some of you here today who you think you have freedom, but you are bound. You are bound because you have not placed your faith and trust in Jesus. You are bound to this present evil world, which has set itself up against God's kingdom. There's two cities to follow Augustinian thought. There's the city of man and the city of God. And either you are part of the city of man, a part of a world in which um, that has set itself up uh, uh, to be its own God and to have its, its own kingdom or you're part of God's kingdom. In college, I had professors that I, I loved dearly. I mean, they were so dope, they were so good. Um, in fact, I went to uh, Michigan State to study communications because they were at the time uh, one of the probably the top communication department in the country. And so these professors taught interpersonal communication and organizational communication. And they were phenomenal. They, were, they co-taught a husband and a wife. Man, I just remember going to class and their lectures were so good that you would literally, they would lecture so good that you would literally forget that it was a class and to study after the lecture. I'll just forget and I'll just keep coming to class. Then I'll get a test. I'm like, wow, this is tough. I remember asking him like, why do you make your lectures so fun and your tests so miserable? <laughs> right? I mean, they were great people. You know, uh, part of the reason I, I parent the, the way my, my wife and I, we parent the way we do with, with uh, television and, and media for our kids came from them. I remember them showing a picture of their, their living room and how it was literally a library. And they talked to their kids about media and limiting it. So rather than have a TV in their home, their kids just read books and they, they kind of limited consumption. Uh, before people were wearing Fitbits, I think they had a Fitbit. They were the most like healthy people I knew. And all they talked about in class, they would just talk about the importance of taking care of your body and, 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 and mentally being in an emotionally healthy place. They were, they were great. But you know, they weren't Christians and they were outspoken about the reason they weren't Christians. I mean, they were kind, they made you smile, they made you love when you talked to them. It, it seemed like you were the only uh, people in the world. At that time, they were, uh, uh, worked with the White House to help them with uh, communications on a mass level, but they were lost. They were lost. And Paul in his text, when he talks about the world, he calls it evil, the evil present age. And a lot of times when we think about people who aren't Christians, no matter how kind they are, uh, no, no, no matter uh, how aware they are, no matter if they're trying to keep a, a low carbon print or, or whatever they're trying to th do, the thing we want to realize and the thing that Paul tells us is that if you are not in Christ, you are part and you are contributing to this present evil world. And so these professors that I had, that I loved, that made so many people feel good and that were nice, according to the Bible, they're evil. They're evil because they're living in rebellion against God, a loving, good God who created the world and who created the world for his glory. And here's a tough truth if you're here today and you're not in Christ. No matter how free you think you are, 
No, no matter how kind you are, no matter how many good works you do, no matter if you're the best philanthropist in the world, if you have not submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ, according to the Bible, you are an enemy of God. God's wrath is upon you. And if you were to die today, you would spend eternity away from God, apart from everything that is beautiful, good, and lovely. And my plea for you today is for you to reject this present evil age, for you to reject this this belief that freedom is autonomy and just doing whatever feels good or believing whatever seems right to you and that you would pursue Jesus Christ and that you would see this Jesus of the Bible who lived a perfect life and who died a death that you deserve and who was risen from the grave and who was alive and one day coming back to judge the earth. If you want true freedom, True freedom is found in Jesus. And I want you to turn and to trust him today. The third thing we see in this text, I want us to see is is that Paul is writing his letter to at-risk Christians. I use that term intentionally, right? At-risk Christians. And when we think of people who are at risk, we think of people who are in deep trouble. And if someone doesn't invade, if someone doesn't step in, they will die as a result of the risk or their lives will be severely limited as a result of a risk. Now, hear me when I say this. Hear me when I say this. The apostle Paul is doing here is something that he doesn't do in any of his letters in the New Testament. He goes from amen to anathema. He goes from a a prayer to anathema means cursing. He writes this letter with more urgency than any other letter in the New Testament. Now, remember, this was written in 8048 to Turkey, modern day Turkey, probably to, to Southern Galatia. It is uh, written 15 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the first letter that would have been circulating to, to Christians and to the churches. And he starts this letter off way different than he starts the rest of his letters off. The rest of his letters, even the book of Corinthians, it started with like a general welcome and thanksgiving. And if you read the book of Corinthians, after verse 10, he goes in. He's like, yo, people from Chloe's house is reporting on some stuff and we got to make this right because y'all tripping, right? That's exactly what he says in the Jamal Standard Version Bible. It's coming out next year. It's going to rival the the Message Bible, right? (laughs) Eugene Peterson. (laughs) So he's writing them in Corinthians and at least the first 10 verses, you think it's like a love letter. Because he's like, Lord, I give God thanks to you, grace and peace with to you. You guys are so gifted as a church. Christ loves you. And then he goes in. Well, not here in Galatia. He gives no thanksgiving for them. And he gets right to the heart of the matter in verse five. Look at verse, verse, I'm sorry, verse six. I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. He says, I'm amazed. I'm astonished. <laughs> And the rest of this letter, he's writing with a tone that can seem angry. Later on in the book of Galatians, he's going to say, I wish that you would castrate yourselves. 
I mean, that's harsh language. He's like, you're talking about circumcision is what is part of what makes you right with God. He's like, if you believe that, just go ahead and emasculate yourselves. That's tough language. Like if somebody said that to me, I would have to pray a lot for them. <laughs> I have to throw them hands. No, I'm just joking. Later on, he calls the Galatians, he calls them foolish. He says, you are stupid. You are fools. Foolish. Here in the text, he says that those who are teaching this, that, that they are to be a curse, a curse, a curse. Cut off from, from God. What gets them so angry? What gets them so angry is that these people, they are modifying the gospel and a modified gospel brings trouble in three ways. We see in this text. Number one, it brings trouble relationally with God. When we modify the gospel, when we add things to the gospel, it puts our relationship with Jesus Christ at risk, at stake. And he's saying, yo, this is a big deal. You are turning from the freedom that Christ has, has, has purchased for you. And you're turning back to bondage and you're at risk from losing your relationship with him. Because Christianity is not about religion. It's not about me doing things to be right with God. First and foremost, it's about what Christ has done for us, enabling us to have a relationship, a, a real, like a real relationship with Jesus. And that's what we see in the text. I'm amazed. I'm astonished that you are so quickly turning away from him. When we modify the gospel, we turn away from a person and his name is Jesus. Second, not only are there risks from losing this relationship, there are risks from believing a, another gospel. And Paul says this, another gospel is no gospel at all. He says, turning to a different gospel, verse seven, not that there is another gospel but there are some who are troubling you and who want to distort the gospel of Christ. When we believe a modified gospel, what we believe is not the gospel at all. When we believe that salvation is purchased as a result of Jesus plus something, we forfeit the gospel. Jesus plus circumcision Jesus plus a Jewish way of living, Jesus plus reformed theology, Jesus plus Arminian theology, Jesus plus homeschooling, Jesus plus private schooling, Jesus plus public schooling, Jesus plus a dress code, a Jesus plus anything is a false gospel. Is Christ alone, Jesus alone saves. So he warns them. He says this different gospel is really no gospel at all. But the third thing we see here is that we put ourselves at risk to be cursed by God. Verse eight, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on them. 
As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on them. Hard words from the Apostle Paul to Christians. And this isn't just intellectually. Like we can intellectually believe a pure gospel, but practically live as if what makes us right before God, what justifies us before God is something else. And we can practically put pressure on people to to believe that what makes them vertically right with God is, is something other than Jesus' atonement and what he's done for us on a cross. And Paul is saying, no, come back to the cross. And if you believe anything other than the cross of Christ and his resurrection, you are putting yourself at risk to be cursed by God. So my invitation to you today, number one, is to cherish the gospel. Now, when Paul talks about the gospel in the book of Galatians, he's talking about this holistic gospel. It's the gospel of the cross. The salvation comes through Christ alone and his finished work and what he's done. But it's also a gospel of the kingdom. We see here, he's talking about this present evil age. One gospel, different aspects of the gospel. And throughout the book of Galatians, as we read, we see that sometimes Paul is going to focus on a cross. Other times he's going to focus on the kingdom of God. It's a new age. This, this gospel that says that to be right with God also enables us and empowers us to love other people. It's this gospel that is vertical, that's horizontal, and also is, is cosmological. It's a gospel that says God is in the process of making all things new. And he's coming back to not only redeem man, but he's coming back to redeem what we call the earth. It's a big gospel. My question for you is, is this this gospel at risk in your own heart? As you think about how you've been living this past week and this past month, do you truly believe that God loves you? And that your relationship with God is not based upon you doing, but that your relationship with God is first and foremost secured and based upon what Christ did. Are you living under constant guilt and condemnation? Or do you believe this gospel that preaches there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Are you living under the pressure of what the expectations of of other people and what they think about you and how they see you? Or are you finding your identity in this, this father who runs towards you every day and who kisses you on his neck and who sings over you every morning, who says grace and mercy is new every morning and who has indwelled you with his spirit and empowered you to live lives of faith and obedience? Do you believe that you have to get yourself together and salvation rests upon you? This week I had a a gentleman visit our house. I was pulling up uh, for work, left my lunch at at work and needed an excuse to go home and see my wife. And I pull up and I park quickly. I park, it was pretty awkward the way I parked. And and I see a guy leaving our steps and he just looks baffled. 
So I, I talk to him, I, I go up to him, and I realize that he's an old neighbor of mine. So when I first moved to Louisville, uh, his house was, was right next to, uh, my, his apartment was right next to my wife's and I apartment. And he looked baffled. I said, sir, can I help you? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I said, do you remember me? He said, no, I don't remember you. And I told him my name. He's like, oh my goodness, you you and your wife, I live right next door. So I said, yes. I said, man, I was way back in 2006. And yeah, now I remember you. And I said, but man, you look confused. He said, yeah. He said, yeah, I just had a, a conversation with this young lady uh, at the door and I went to share my faith with her. He's a Jehovah's Witness. And uh, he believes in a modified gospel, which is no gospel at all. And he said, and we talked for about 30 minutes. And he said, man, she just knew her words so well. And, uh, and she just started preaching to me and I didn't know what to do. So I got out the conversation and I said, which house? She pointed to the house. I said, yeah. I said, good. Kept talking to him. And as we were leaving, I was going up to the house. He says, that's your house? I said, yeah, that was my wife you talked to earlier. <laughs> and, uh, and then I pointed to a number of houses on our street and I said, well, my wife is a part of the church that I pastor that's in his neighborhood. I pointed to all the houses. And I said, I'm pretty sure if you go to any of these houses, you're going to get the same thing today. So good luck. And, and he was like, you know what? And I pointed to Blake's house. I pointed to the house next to us. And he said, you know what? I came a, a, a few months ago and I went to this house and the same thing happened. And I said, you know, that was a guy named James. He said, yeah, James. He's like, man, he really gave me a workout. <laughs> and he said, man, that guy, he worked me out, man. I walked away and I was, he's like, man, these people really know their Bible. And I said, man, that's because we take the Bible serious, but no, not, not just the Bible, we take the gospel of Jesus serious. And I said, what you believe is not the gospel of Jesus as was delivered to the church. And we think that that's a big problem. And so he rushed off and, and walked down the street. But I was so proud, not, not of my wife, but, but just of, of being a part of a church that cherishes this, this gospel. But as I thought about that, I said, man, I wanna make sure that we as a church, that we get angry and we find ourselves frustrated like Paul over the right things. And that if people feel a righteous anger and an energy coming from us, that the, the, the thing that they feel uh, for us is, the, is, is more than anything is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is at stake. And it's a, it's a gospel that says to be made right with God is through Christ and Christ alone. And also this, this gospel makes us right with each other and empowers us to love each other in this world in a powerful way. It's not just a, a gospel that leads to talk, but it's a gospel that transforms our life because we are in a living relationship with a real person. I pray that this is the gospel that you receive. Not Jesus plus, but Jesus only. And every week when we gather together, we have a meal together, called community. And this meal reminds us of Christ's salvation and his finished work. It reminds us that salvation comes by grace through faith. And that what makes us right is not what we do, but what Christ has done. It also reminds us that it's through the cross that we have received the power to live lives as humans, as God intended. And this power comes through his Holy Spirit. The night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, said, this is my body broken for you. And the same way, took a cup and said, this cup is a new covenant of my blood shed for you. 
as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, Christian, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Here at Sojourn, we take a piece of bread, we dip it in wine or juice. The wine is marked by, by twine, whatever your conscience permits. And we know that on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he, he did this to his disciples. And he said, as often as you do this, remember me, remember my cross, remember what I've done for you. Remember that I've paved a way for you to have forgiveness of sin and a right relationship with God and go and live in that reality. If you're not a Christian today, um, I wanna encourage you to find true freedom in Christ Jesus. You don't have to be a slave to your sin. You don't have to be a slave to your addictions. You don't, it's dangerous to be a slave to yourself and your own wants. The true life, true freedom is, is lived when you submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus. That's truly where you will find, find life. Those of you here in the front, you come to the front. Those in the back, you can go to the back. Gluten-free communion is over to my left. Let's pray.